What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a TGIF edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and got to speak from the diaphragm tonight. Got to get that bass. So if it does sound like I'm trying to go low, I am, because I'm kind of gassed out tonight with all the radio. I did four hours this morning with Cecil. Uh, I think I did six or seven Wednesday. I think I did six on Thursday, and we're going to have a little six-hour show tonight. Well, actually, sorry, four hours this morning, two hours tonight on New Year's Eve. Appreciate you guys being with me. Happy New Year, because I guarantee you, by the time we get around 8 o'clock, I am going to absolutely forget that it is December 31st, 2021. Going to kick 2021 out the door, which I'm happy with. And hopefully we start 2022 in the best way on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers as we travel to take them on in Santa Clara at Levi Stadium. So last home game for the 49ers, last road game for the Texans. Just the fifth meeting of these two teams coming up on Sunday afternoon. Now, we got a lot on the show this evening. We, as always, will hear from David Culley. We caught up with Mark Vandermeer to talk about the 49ers and everything to expect in this particular game. We will also hear from Kiana Martin, who covers the Niners for 49ers.com. She's a team reporter there. We'll have my keys to the game. We'll also have a Drew's Dozen with Jacob Martin. We will have a DP Sidhu Deep Slant interview of the week with Rex Burkhead. We will have my predictions straight up and against the spread. Now, Cecil and I, Cecil Shorts and I, we got into some of these. We didn't get all the way in. And we got our good friend Caesar's Rewards, who would like for us to get all the way in. Caesar's Rewards for every way you play. Love Caesar's Rewards for being on board this year. A big thanks to them. So we'll pick all those games. Then we'll close it down with Drew Doherty's final word. And again, it is with Jacob Martin talking about the 49ers. San Francisco 49ers, not the University of Charlotte 49ers, which it's very easy to get confused. But it's Jimmy Garoppolo, it's Jerry Lance, who I don't think we're going to find out until at least Saturday. So that's going to be definitely one to watch for sure. So we'll break it all down as much as we possibly can, as much as I possibly can here on New Year's Eve. Appreciate again you guys being with me. So let's kick it off like we always do with the head coach of your Houston Texans, and that is David Cully. Mark, take it away. What was it like getting ready for this one without knowing who they were going to play a quarterback? They have different styles that they bring to the table. Well, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Jimmy and, 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 and Lance are two different type quarterbacks. It doesn't change what they do offensively, Mark. But mm-hmm. What it does change is, is uh, obviously one guy's a lot more mobile than the other guy. And you, you got to be able to account for that. So basically what we, we did is we went back and watched when Lance played all during preseason. Uh, we watched the games that he's played in to kind of get a good look just to see what the difference is going to be. There's difference in the players, but there's no difference, Mark, in what they're going to do offensively. Well, they've got a lot of guys who can catch the football, too, with Samuel, Ayu, Kittle. They're very dangerous in the pass-catching department. Very dangerous. As a matter of fact, I think they got the nickname the Yak Boys or something. I don't know. They might be the number one in the league in, in yards after the catch. Uh, they're very strong. 
uh, tackling will be very, very big for us this week because they don't throw the ball a whole bunch down the field. When they do throw it, they're effective, but they like getting the ball in those guys' hands in a hurry. And when they do get the ball in the hands early, those guys are breaking tackles. They're very good runners. Uh, uh, so we, we'll have to really, really make sure that we are tackling his own this week. All right. Offensively, you're coming off your best rushing performance. What's it going to take to try to duplicate that? Well, to continue to do that. And this is a tough team to run on, too. Uh, obviously, they got a game wrecker in Bosa that we have to take care of. They got really good linebackers up front. Uh, you know, we, we're going to, Mark, continue to, to do what we tried to do last week. We got to we got to we're going to make the attempts mm-hmm. and we got to do that. And I think regardless of how many yards we get, it's important that we do have the attempts. And if we have the attempts then it's only going to help us more in our pass game. Well, you're better than 61% in third down conversions over the last two weeks, Coach. And I got to think that Davis Mills has a big hand in that. So you need a huge game from him in that category this weekend. Well, and I think, too, you know, the big thing about that, Marcus, when you're good in third downs, that means that you're, you're having third and normals and not third and longs. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a tribute to first and second down. Our offense has been very positive on first and second down, very efficient. And that keeps us in third and manageable. When we're in third and manageable, you know, our offense is, is much better at operating. All offenses are in operating that way. So it's important for us to stay above the change and keep us in third and manageable situations. And we feel like we'll be good there. And you talked about them wanting to get the ball in the pass catcher's hands. Field position is premium, especially in a game like this, where you just want to take advantage of those situations with your special teams. You know what? Well, you're exactly right. And, and they are kind of like we are. We want to control the ball. We want to be a ball control team. Uh, normally, if we got to go the long way, that's okay with us going a long way. This football team here, too, likes to do that also. They like to control the tempo. They're not an up-tempo team, Mark. They play the game slow. They're, in other words, they don't get in a hurry and getting in and out of huddle. They do the same thing in two minutes. They just want to control the ball and, and be able to dictate the tempo of the game. And, and we got to be able to do the same thing. Thanks for the information, Coach. Good luck. Thank you very much, Mark. Happy That's New Year to you. Happy New Year. And a Happy New Year to both Coach and Mark. Love you guys. See you on Monday for the Coach's Show. Always have a great time with Coach on the Coach's Show. And hopefully for the third straight week, we'll be talking about a win over an opponent. And this week, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Friday, it's the injury slash status report. So let's get to it. I don't know that there's a ton from the Texas perspective on here, unlike last week. Well, last week, there wasn't a lot on there either. They were just all COVID situations. This week, on the Texans side, limited participants today in practice. Chris Conley with a knee, A.J. Moore Jr. with an illness, and Jimmy Moreland with an illness. Those three are questionable. That's it. Nobody that hasn't been out this year is out. Three guys questionable. Conley, A.J. Moore, Jimmy Moreland. Now, on the other side of things, the 49ers have three players that are out Two linebackers, Aziz Alshair, dealing with a knee. He is out. He started Thursday night next to Fred Werner. Dre Greenlaw, who typically starts next to Fred Werner, he is also out, dealing with a groin issue. Also out is defense lineman Maurice Hurst, dealing with a calf issue. Those three are out. The big one, I suppose, is Jimmy Garoppolo. Right thumb listed as doubtful. Now, When we get to our keys to the game a little later, we'll talk about if Garoppolo does play. But my anticipation is that Trey Lance will be that guy. I have never seen a player be doubtful on the injury report and play. Never seen it. 
So we'll find out more, I would imagine, Friday, Saturday, whether Jimmy Garoppolo is indeed out. But I am anticipating the fact that he's doubtful on here. When you go on here as doubtful, it's 98.6% that player is going to be out. My historical look at doubtful is they've all been out. I don't remember ever seeing a player doubtful come back and play. I could be wrong, but just from my remembrances. Also out is safety, uh, Talano Hafanga, rookie at USC, who I was a big fan of. In fact, I was probably higher on him than a lot of people. He's been a, big, he's been a nice six-round find for the San Francisco 49ers at safety, but he is doubtful. So let's say the doubtfuls are actually out. Let's just play that game for a second. Al Shair, Garoppolo, Greenlaw, Hafanga, Hurst, all out. Another one to watch is that running back. Elijah Mitchell took over as the running back this year. He had some really successful games early on. He's been dealing with a knee issue. He missed the Titans game. He is questionable, but he did participate in practice, and I think that's big. He was a limited participant all week long. Does that get him ready? Do the 49ers feel like, you know, we've got to have Elijah Mitchell. We've got to have this run game. He's questionable. So we'll keep an eye. The 49ers have got some key pieces that are on the fence. Some of them like hanging on by a shoelace to the fence. That being Jimmy Garoppolo and Talonga, uh, Talano Hafanga. Mitchell being questionable. I mean, those, those are kind of 50-50. There, there are some, you know, last week, Derwin James was questionable going in. I thought he would play, and he ended up not playing because he had gotten ill on top of the fact he was dealing with, a, I think, a knee issue at that point. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll probably find out more information uh, Saturday, maybe even Sunday morning about Jimmy Garoppolo. But all week, I think we've been anticipating Trey Lance being the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, and that looks like it's going to happen. All right, when we get back, we will go behind enemy sidelines with our good friend D.P. City and talk about this San Francisco 49ers squad that the Texans will face on Sunday. That's next on Texans All Access. Welcome back, everybody, to this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and i got to give some props to our biggest fan out there, and that is Daikin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Daikin. It's time to go behind enemy sidelines. Now, I typically do this on Wednesday, but we kind of had a jam-packed show on Wednesday. We had a lot more than I could use, so I kind of moved some things around and thought, man, let's get a little bit of enemy sidelines on Friday and a little deep slate interview. So we're getting a little two-for-one with D.P. Sidhu tonight. This is her interview, which she does each and every week with a team reporter from the other side or someone that we know a lot of times, you know, J.P. Shadwick, well, he works for the Jaguars. Jim Wyatt now works for the Titans. Kiana Martin works for the 49ers. She's a team reporter for the NFC West squad, and she joined DP and talked about this one coming up on Sunday. 
It's Enemy Sidelines presented by Microsoft. Kiana Martin, 49ers senior reporter, is my guest this week. Kiana, great to see you out there on the West Coast. How's it been? It's going good. It's good to see you. You know, I know usually we get to see each other a little bit more, especially at combines. But of course, COVID changes a lot of things. But still, it's good that we can do this virtually together. It is good because these two teams are playing each other here in week 17. And the 49ers, Start off the season at two and four, and now they're in the thick of this NFC playoff race. So what's been the difference for this 49ers team to really turn things around this season, do you think? I think the craziest thing is that, you know, once they lost those four straight games, the biggest question was, what's this team's identity? We used to know it. It was, you know, pretty evident when they had that 2019 Super Bowl run, but 2020, it was a number of injuries. Uh, we like to write that year off, but 2021, you have these same pieces. You, you have what you need in order to kind of get back to that spot, but what's the problem? And I feel like the team got back to doing ultimately what they do best, and that's running the ball. Kyle Shanahan, you know, losing a guy like Raheem Mostert in week one is a tough blow for this offense, but being able to get some production out of your sixth round running back, Elijah Mitchell certainly helped the 49ers backfield. And then you have Jeff Wilson Jr. who came back from injury after tearing his meniscus and OTAs. He added a boost to their run game. And then obviously I got to throw in Debo Samuel, who we don't even know what to call him these days, a wide receiver who's been able to kind of take snaps uh, lining up in the backfield and really help the 49ers run game, getting back to what they normally do and what has essentially served them well in the past, I think was a real boost for the offense. And then defensively, I feel like the unit has been able to just kind of play cohesively. They've been able to play together. They were lacking those takeaways in the first half of the season. And since, well, Excluding last week, they've been racking up at least two takeaways in six of their last eight games. So I think the units kind of just found their groove and it's certainly worked to the 49ers benefit being able to kind of just get back to what they know. And that's playing complimentary football, essentially. All right. Well, I was going to ask you about the quarterbacks, but you mentioned Devo Samuel, and I am so intrigued by him. He leads the team with seven rushing touchdowns as a wide receiver. He's also scored 12 touchdowns total this year. And, oh, against the Titans, he put up 159 yards receiving. So he is a really good receiver. He's rushed for more touchdowns than any of the running backs. I know he's the Swiss Army knife sort of a player in that 49ers offense. How did his role evolve with the team? It's so crazy to believe because he had his – his first year and he it was very promising and then he followed up last year dealing with like I said 49ers with their injuries 2020 he was kind of in and out and then fast forward to 2021 and he's just truly just blossomed even before we got to see him as that Swiss army knife as a rusher uh, he was actually leading the 49ers wideouts and receiving yards so he was off to a really strong start And then Kyle Shanahan decides to kind of draw up some fun stuff with him involved. And he's been leading the 49ers backfield since he's been kind of taking some of the handoffs. But it's just as you knowing his skill set and just how physical he plays, how this is a guy that I like to say both him and George Kittle. They have like a game that they play where it's like we refuse to touch the sideline. They will run through tackles. They refuse to go out of bounds. And that's just a testament to how tough these guys are. They call themselves the yak bros, getting those yards after catch or contact in Debo's case. Uh, But it's just their physical style of play. And Kyle Shanahan's been having a fun time just drawing up some unique plays with him involved. 
Yak Bro sounds like a great slogan for a t-shirt. All right. The big news, obviously, is the quarterback news coming out of San Francisco. We saw the reports early in the week that Jimmy Garoppolo suffered a a sprain in the thumb of his throwing hand. Is there any chance that he could still play on Sunday with that? Because we saw he was not at practice on Monday. But what do you foresee for him and the the chances of him playing? I know that the 49ers really want to get this playoff race uh, under control, and they would like to do that probably with their starter. Right. Well, Kyle Shanahan said he's still holding out hope for the quarterback. Uh, He finished out that game last week against the Titans. He said that Kyle Shanahan said that he noticed that there was a little bit of a difference in the way he threw that ball. If everybody was watching, it was on prime time coming out of that second half through that interception in the first play of the third quarter. But he said that's when he noticed things were a little off with his quarterback, but he stuck in there, finished out that game. Now a couple of days removed, they're noticing things aren't quite the same with Jimmy Garoppolo, but They're hoping as the week progresses, he'll still be able to be in that lineup. The 49ers have a lot on the line, and of course, they want to go with the best option out there, which they believe is Jimmy Garoppolo. I know that's been the storyline this entire season is when will fans get the chance to see Trey Lance, but Jimmy, he has the experience. His record tells it for itself, how he performs when he is the starter on the 49ers offense. So 49ers are still standing behind him, hoping that he'll be able to kind of be able to be in this lineup on Sunday, but there's still a lot of question marks and a lot of time to see if he'll be able to dress up on Sunday. Well, the 49ers gave up a lot this offseason to get their quarterback in Trey Lance. So if he plays on Sunday, that would just be his second start this year. We saw him in some action with some other games, but what have you seen from him? You've obviously covered him since he got there in San Francisco, but what about his growth and development since he first stepped onto the field, practice field there to now? What have, where have you really seen him develop? What's actually interesting is literally about five minutes ago, I just got off of a call with 49ers linebacker Fred Warner, and I was asking him like, hey, you know, what have you seen? He's Trey Lance is on scout team. You know, you get to see him every day at practice. So have you noticed any kind of development with him? And he said he remembers that earlier in the year, you know, he was just so focused on being so perfect that he was hurting himself in practice. So Fred being a linebacker pulled him aside at practice was like, Hey guy, like, listen, don't worry about all that. You have the skill, you have the talent. Do you do what you've been doing, do what got you here and what got you picked number three overall in the draft. And so Kyle Shanahan said that he's had his best string of practices over these last four weeks. And when he says that, we're asking, okay, so what made it so good? Well, he said his accuracy for one. That's something that has really taken steps forward as he's been kind of playing behind Jimmy Garoppolo, his decision-making. I know he's been lauded coming out of North Dakota State for his athleticism and how he can use his legs to extend plays. But now it's kind of developing those other parts of his game uh, so that he wants His number is called whenever that might be. He'll be ready to answer the bell, but it's mainly just his comfort. I think that's the most important thing. I think everybody knows how complex a Kyle Shanahan offense is, and it's not the easiest to grab. We even have receivers that have been in this offense for a number of years, and they're like, man, it took some time to get it down. So it says a lot that he's getting more comfortable under Kyle Shanahan. He's getting more comfortable in this offense, and it's starting to show at practice now You know, depending on how things go, the biggest question will be, will that translate onto the field? All right. Well, George Kittle, you mentioned him, one half of the Yak Bros. He's got six touchdowns so far in the season, which is really impressive considering he spent a stretch of time on IR. So now that he's back, we've seen what he can do with the ball in his hands. You know, what else does he bring to that offense that maybe doesn't show up in the stat sheet? It's not going to show up in the stat sheet, but I can certainly say it's his energy. 
<laughs> George Kittle's energy is absolutely infectious. You see it. You see the difference even in practice when he's not on the field when he is when he is there. He's so dedicated to the game. And like I said, he does not believe in stepping out of bounds. He's going to try to run through tackles. He's going to fight for every single yard possible. Uh, he is a guy that is certainly, you know, whether it has to do with just being around the team or physicality or physically being on the field. He's a guy that just brings so much to this offense, what he can do. And then also when Kyle Shanahan draws up plays, he can add a little bit of just people trying to cover George and that leaves so many other guys open. He creates opportunities for other players and he's just so hard to game plan for. I was actually uh, talking to someone and it's so crazy when you're looking at this offense, the way they can line up in a formation, you can have your tight end in the backfield. You'll have your running back out wide the way Kyle Shanahan can move around his guys uh, to benefit matchups. It's, it's truly like a work of art. So the way Kyle, he does, which actually is so strange. George does have a couple of carries on the season. It's just amazing how Kyle can use these guys in a multitude of ways, and it can certainly benefit whoever is under center, whether that is Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. All right. Well, that 49ers defense is run by a guy that we know very well here in Houston, former linebacker, now defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans in his first year calling plays for that defense. How has he really changed things since he has taken over? I know Robert Sala was there last year. You know, has he really kept the same sort of defense in place? What sort of stamp of his own has he put on it? That was the biggest question once kind of that shift happened with Robert Salo going to the New York Jets. They, everyone was asking, all right, D'Amico, like, are you going to kind of change things? Are things going to kind of remain the same? And he said, you know what? Things were working. It's kind of like that saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's kind of how D'Amico Ryan's kind of stepped into this role. But he did say, but I will have a sprinkle of something that is my own. And that seems to have really taken well with the guys, even talking to Fred Warner. And he said, you know what? I can't think of a guy who was better at this role with us on this defense than D'Amico Ryan's being a former player, as you guys know, uh, and just what he brings, his knowledge, his experience. Uh, to the entire defensive unit, the guys have really taken well to what he does. And we've been able to kind of see the benefits of that, especially as of late in some of these games, these amazing uh, fourth down stops they've been having. Uh, that was last week. And um, the same thing was a week prior. Uh, they played Seattle a couple of weeks ago and they didn't have a first down for the entire or a third, uh, new first down for the entire first half. So it's just the way that this team has been playing for him. I think it's really special because some of the guys do say that, you know, we want not only do we want to play for ourselves and our teammates, but we want to make sure we're putting our best product on the field for D'Amico because he deserves it. The way that he's kind of taken this defense and made it his own while still like keeping the fundamentals that Robert Sala had. Uh, the guys really appreciate that and they love playing for a guy like him. Well, he's just one of the familiar faces that the Texans will see on Sunday when they face the 49ers. Kiana Martin, Kiana, thank you so much for the time. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. Likewise. Can't wait till Sunday. No doubt. We're all pumped up for Sunday as the Texans travel to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Locally here in Houston, the game will kick at 3.05. If you happen to be traveling out to the West Coast, which you might, San Francisco might be one of those trips. Haven't gone out there but a couple times. Uh, let's see, 04 and 13, I believe, or 05 and 13, I think. Those are the last two times that uh, the Texans have gone out there, and I think the only win they had was in 2009, which I believe was back in Houston. So if you've gone out there, great. Kicks at 105 out there. So you got to kind of work backwards a couple hours, and then when you fly back here, you got to go forwards a couple hours. I mean, I feel in some sense like I'm doing a John Madden imp impression uh, RIP coach. Man, 
Wow, that one. Man, losing John Madden, Betty White in the same week. Man, gut punches galore. Two of the best entertainers you're going to find in any walk of life. Uh, man, that one, uh, those two hit, uh, hit pretty hard. But 105 out west, 305 here, last road game of the year. And so we got to figure out how the Texans are going to win. And we do that with our keys to the game. I'll have those for you next right here at Texans All Access. Here at Texans All Access. Here at Texans. Tell you what, it's been a fun day. I started the day with you at 6 a.m. on Sports Radio 610 filling in for Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne alongside my guy Cecil Shorts. We had a blast this morning. I know I did. I, I hope Cecil did. Boy, we really we laughed. We had some good with yours. And now you're finishing the day with me on Texans All Access. That's pretty darn cool. Now, one thing that I found out actually in the last week is Cecil has taken a job. Should have taken a job. I think he's found his calling, actually. He was a great football player, but he's a tremendous leader, and he's great with kids. Well, he's an assistant principal over at, at uh, a local private school here, and he's perfect for that. Now, I used to be the private school, too. I was a teacher, and I'm calling all my Houston area teachers out there. You want to bring a little Texans football to your classrooms? Then sign up for Toro's Matros, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Matros is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. All you got to do is go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Look, I know teachers, you're on break right now, and you deserve a break until at least the middle of January with everything you've had to go through the last couple of years. I know how hard that's been. I can only imagine what it's like to do Zoom teaching distance learning, all that kind of stuff. But you guys handle it. So Toro's math throws a little bit of help. So big thanks to Conical Phillips for being on board. Okay, it's time for our keys to the game. And the Texans come into this one against San Francisco, 4-11 and a 12-point underdog against, hmm, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance. Who is it going to be? That takes over at quarterback. And when I say takes over, it sounds as I'm thinking it's Trey Lance. I think it's Trey Lance. I said it this morning, I was talking to Cecil. I don't know that playing Jimmy Garoppolo does you anything. I don't know if it does you good. And my point being, Jimmy's got a ceiling on what he, on what he can do. So Jimmy might get them to the playoffs. And they may win a game. I mean, maybe they go on a run. I don't, I don't know. But Jimmy's not going to be the quarterback in 2022. You don't draft a, a quarterback at number three and then sit him year after year, two years in a row. I could see him sitting for a year, but you got to start seeing some return on your investment. I would imagine they want to see Trey Lance. So this might be the convenient spot to... <laughs> Trey Lance is in, Jimmy Garoppolo out. I know he's been dealing with that hand issue. Now, it did sound like on Thursday that Jimmy was able to practice and do a few things, but then again... Who's to say? If I'm them, I'm playing Trey Lance. If I'm the Texans, I'm expecting Trey Lance. So let's talk about our keys to the game and how the Texans are going to take down the 49ers. So let's start with facing that 49ers offense. But first, before I dive in, I need my music. Get my music cranked up, Jay. Let's go. There it is. All right, here we go. 49ers offense is very interesting. They run for 124 yards per game. That's seventh in the NFL. They pass for 244 yards per game. It's 13th, eh, middle of the back. Total offense are top 10, 368.1 yards per game, 10th in the league. They've given up the ball 21 times. They've, they've given it up more than, than they should. They have Pro Bowl talent and Debo Samuels, a receiver. Talk about him. 
George Kittle at tight end. We'll talk about him. Trent Williams at left tackle, one of the best in the business. These edge rushers for the Texans are going to get all they can handle with Big 71 out on the edge. They are an interesting bunch offensively. So let's get to the keys. Number one, is it Trey Lance's offense? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo's offense? And that will matter because the wrinkles that they'll have for Trey Lance in Jimmy Garoppolo's offense is going to make that whole thing look different as opposed to being just purely Trey Lance's offense. Like if Jimmy's running an offense, they might bring in Trey Lance to run a play here, there. But when it's Trey Lance's offense, I think you're going to see a lot more RPOs. You're going to see a lot more zone read. You're going to see a few mixed-in quarterback runs. The last time Trey Lance started, he started against the Arizona Cardinals. I think it was week five. And the Cardinals ended up winning that one at home, 17-10. to 10. San Francisco didn't put up a ton of numbers or a ton of points, obviously just 10. Lance would make a play here or there, but he looked like a rookie that wasn't and hadn't played in almost two years. He had one start in August of 2020 for one game in the fall, then NDSU, his alma mater, his school, North Dakota State, moved their season to the spring to play for a championship. So he won a championship in North Dakota State in January of 2020. Then he played that one game in August due to COVID season, and so he didn't start again until week five and hasn't started since. So if he starts, he is going to be rusty, but he's also going to be pretty fresh with fresh legs. I would expect San Francisco at that point to try and get his run legs involved. 16 carries against the Cardinals. I think he's going to have that, maybe not a then some, but I think he's going to have around that range. This is a fast Texans defense. They run and they're ultra aggressive. And against a running quarterback, that isn't always the greatest recipe. Sometimes it's the perfect recipe. It's the perfect recipe if you're running and flying to the quarterback under control. With bad intentions, but yet under control. And that isn't always the case and hasn't always been the case. There have been a lot of times guys have been sprinting and flying and chasing ghosts. Quarterback pulls and bootlegs the other way and we got nobody there. They're going to run boot. And a lot of boot. They're going to run <clears throat> excuse me, RPOs. They're going to run zone reads. They're going to do everything imaginable with a mobile quarterback once Trey Lance takes over. Now, if by chance Jimmy Garoppolo does play in this game, which I'm not expecting him to, but if he does play in this game, then you're going to see a lot of the same things except the quarterback run game. And it is ultra important to hit Jimmy Garoppolo within reason and within the rules every time he goes back to pass. Make that thumb hurt a little bit every time he throws. Make that body kind of wince. Make him flinch when he's throwing. Never know what happens at that particular point. All right, let's get to number two key against the Niners, and that is Debo. Named after the character in the movie Friday, Debo Samuel's Twitter handle is at 19problemsz. And he is more than that. For defense, he is way more than 19 problems. He feels like he's about three dozen problems. And the thing about Debo, there's so many, so many things he does well. But I compared him to Tyreek Hill this week, at least Tyreek early in his career. Now, Tyreek has settled in as a receiver in Kansas City. There are still wrinkles. They still bring him in orbit motion and throw him uh, flare screens and things of that magnitude. But when Tyreek first got in the league, 
he was a running back slash receiver. That sort of evolved into wide receiver with a little bit of running back, and now it's almost purely wide receiver. Debo Samuel came into the league as a wide receiver. Then it was kind of an all-around wide receiver with a little sprinkle of running back, and now it's almost like 60-40 wide receiver running back. He'll line up in the backfield. They'll toss him the ball. They'll hand it to him on zone runs. He's as good after getting the ball in his hands, whether it's by catch, whether it's by handoff, whether it's by toss sweep. He's as good as anybody you're going to find. He is 215 pounds, built like a brick house. Tackling, when you get late in the season, it's not always... Well, first of all, you can't really work on in practice. And in some cases, it's what can be an issue for defenses. You've got to have a million guys get to the ball when Debo's getting it in his hands because he'll break the first tackle. But if you hit him with one guy, okay, maybe that guy doesn't get him, but then boom, 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 you know, two, three, and four hit him, you got an opportunity to slow him down. He runs very good routes. He is strong on the inside, running slants, glances, those kind of things that break inside. He is very difficult to stop. But then they put him in a backfield, and it's like, yo, 19's getting the ball. He is a problem. 19-plus problems Debo Samuel becomes. So the biggest thing with Debo is recognizing, A, where is he? And how can he hurt you from that spot? Okay, he's in the backfield. How can he hurt you from that spot? Well, they can run toss sweep. They can run zone. They can zone read. There's some things that they can do with him from the backfield. Understanding where he can hurt you and knowing how to slow that down Two massive issues and two massive things that Texas has got to be aware of. Then he goes out wide at wide receiver. Okay, he's out wide receiver. What can he do? Well, he can stack, he can stack and go and go downfield. He can run those slant routes. He, he widens guys out and he cuts underneath them on slants. Now he's got the ball in his hands, and he's a difficult guy to stop running the football. Debo Samuel's going to see the ball at least 15 times. At least 15, if not more, in a game that the 49ers have got to win. Be ready. Bring your big boy pads. Because it's time. And it's also time because the 49ers have a guy by the name of George Kittle. Now, I can't remember 2017 we faced Kittle or not. I, I can't remember. But either way, Kittle's been in and out of the lineup for the last couple of years, but this year he's been healthy. And he has been a sought-after target. However, last week against the Tennessee Titans, he was not. He only had three targets in that game. He will bat out the line of scrimmage. He plays with his long hair on fire. But out in pass... Uh, out on pass routes, how do you cover him? And that's where the 49ers are going to use personnel changes and personnel, personnel matching to their advantage. And this is where Lovey Smith and the Texans defense has really got their, have got their hands full because the 49ers can put out 11 personnel. They can put out three wide receivers with a true running back and Kittle being the only tight end. Well, if you match that by going nickel, then Kittle's got a nickel on him. He can body that guy, whether it's Tavier Thomas or whomever. Now, I think Tav is physical enough to kind of hang, but, man, that's a tough ask to cover Kittle all day because you're trying to match that personnel. Well, if the 49ers go 12 personnel with a true running back and two tight ends, with Kittle being one of them and, you know, uh, one of the other tight ends, then all of a sudden do you answer with nickel again or do you put your base on the field? Well, if you put your base on the field, then you're going to end up with a, an outside linebacker on Kittle and that is going to be where the 49ers pick at that scab, so to speak. And there are very many linebackers, no matter who it is. No matter whether it's Bobby Wagner or Fred Warner. It doesn't matter whether it's Michael Kendricks uh, or Eric Kendricks up with the Minnesota Vikings, the best cover linebacker there is in the league. No linebacker is going to be able to stick with Kittle. 
So the Texans have to be aware of how the 49ers are using their personnel in this game and how they're matching that personnel because the 49ers will counter by trying to get Kittle involved and trying to find Kittle the best mismatch against a linebacker when the Texans put their base unit out on the field. But like Samuel, Kittle after the catch is a massive issue. They've got to hit, wrap up, and not let a crosser on third and seven that's caught at four yards turn into eight yards in a first down. Those kind of plays are killers. And that's where Debo and that's where Kittle are big in this game where they catch it short of the sticks but fight through a tackle attempt and get a first down. That can't happen in this game. All right, let's flip it over and look at this 49ers defense. Very, very good against the run. Only give up 107.3 yards per game. That's 11th in the NFL. Passing yards, even better. 211.5 yards per game. That's 7th in the league. They only give up 318.9 yards per game. That's 4th in the league. They are, led, they are led by a pro bowler and a defensive player of the year candidate, Nick Bosa. We did not face Joey Bosa last week. So this week we face Nick Bosa. Eric Armstead inside is an absolute specimen. Fred Warner might be the best linebacker in the league. Josh Norman has had a resurgent season. And the two safeties, I think, are two of the more underrated safeties and a really nice safety duo in Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski Tart. There are some other names you know, including a guy by the name of Charles Amenu who comes off the bench. They're very deep up front. So what are the keys to beating that 49ers defense? Well, first of all, we got lucky last week in not seeing Joey Bosa, but we will see Nick Bosa. Now, I think Nick is more physical on the edge, especially against the run, and he's been better this year getting to the quarterback. And the one thing that Bosa does extremely well is use speed to power and then use his hands extraordinarily well. He loves to use the forklift, so he'll get into a tackle and he'll grab with his outside arm and take that outside arm of the tackle and literally forklift it, like lift it up to a point where he's got leverage now, and then he'll either slide a rip move and go by, or he'll just take that, that tackle and just drive him right into the quarterback. is going to need help. He's going to demand chips. He's going to demand double teams. That's going to take a pass catcher out of the pass route and help with Bosa. But I'll deal with that as opposed to Bosa going one-on-one against Charlie Heck and Jerron Christian and getting to a tackle or getting to the quarterback free of charge after a one-on-one attempt. They've got to help on Bosa. When they run the ball at Bosa, they just got to run and hit him with as many bodies as possible. That's all they really can do. This guy is so good against the run. He plays uh, wide runs, outside zones, toss sweeps, pin and pulls. He plays those so extremely well. You just have to hit him with everything you got and eventually wear him down, hopefully, by the fourth quarter. Number two, I mentioned this uh, when I was reading off the, the numbers. 107.3 yards per game the 49ers allow. Last week, the Texans ran for 190, minus the one knee that Davis took. It was 189 in total, but it was 190 from the two running backs, Royce Freeman and Rex Burkhead, and also Tremont Smith, who came in there and gave him something on toss sweep. It would be an absolute dream, dream to get back to 190 yards rushing. We get to 190 yards rushing in this game. Something has gone incredibly wrong for the 49ers or the Texans are in such a groove and they're going to win a game running for 190 like they did last week. That's going to be tough going against Bosa, Fred Werner, and that defensive front that's pretty deep. Um, I don't know if that happens, but, but the one thing that they were able to do in Jacksonville, even though they didn't get to 190 yards rushing, they were able to succeed and win 
on first and second down with two, three yards. Now, that's not, you know, I should say win, but they were able to have a modicum of success. But that made third and short, or third and five, third and six, very manageable. There were very few times they were third and eight or longer because the running game just chipped away at little bits here and there, and then Davis could pick up the third down. Once you get to third, five to seven, you know, defensive coordinators can't get too exotic at that point. Like, man, mm, I don't know if I want to start bringing blitz here. I know I want to. Now, you get to third, 12, third, 13. Oh, yeah, here comes blitz. Here it comes. <laughs> Dialing it up. Here it goes. So if you get to third and seven, third and six, you're going to be in much better shape. And the Texans have been converting third downs at an amazing clip the last couple weeks. 56% of Jacksonville, like 69% last week, in large part because of the way they've been able to run the ball. They don't have to repeat the success, but they cannot go completely backwards, and they can't fall behind the sticks. Stay ahead of the sticks, even if it's just a little bit, two, three, four yards at a time, and you got an opportunity. And the last key is just attack. In the second half of the game against the Niners last week, the Tennessee Titans went after that secondary. They felt like they could protect up front, and they had A.J. Brown. And they went to A.J. Brown over and over and over again. He had six catches for 121 yards and a touchdown in the second half. The 49ers had no answer. They had no answer for him. Now, the Texans don't have an A.J. Brown, but they got a Brandy Cooks. Attack that secondary with a guy like Brandy Cooks. And if you don't think, you know, Brandon's the guy that can do that, if you got to spread the wealth a little bit, it's not just Brandon, but you got Nico there too. Big-bodied receiver, Brandy Cooks, speedy receiver. These safeties are, I think, pretty good. I don't know that I totally and completely respect the corners for San Francisco. They had play rookie last week, Ambry Thomas, a corner, who was Nico's teammate at Michigan. And Josh Norman has had a resurgent season, but I think fast athletic receivers can give him issues still. So if they can protect Bosa and keep him out of the, the face of Davis Mills, if they can run the ball on first, second down to get to third and five, third and six, and they stay in attack mode throwing the football against the secondary, I think is okay, but not overly tremendous if they keep that mindset they can throw the football I think against the secondary like the Titans did everybody and their brother knew the Titans were throwing the ball to A.J. Brown and Tannehill kept sticking it to him and kept making plays that's got to be the way it is you got to know he's throwing it to Brandon Cooks and Davis Mills still succeeds give him time give him space give him fair opportunities third and six or less second and five or less I think you'll see what Davis Mills can do. All right, those are your keys to a win over the San Francisco 49ers. When we get back, it's a double dip, a Drew's Dozen, and a deep slant. Drew's Dozen with Jacob Martin, a deep slant with the aforementioned Rex Burkhead. That's all next as we kick off the second hour of this edition of Texans All Access. It's all Access. It's all Access. We put one hour in the books. we got one hour left to go right here on the Friday edition. A rockin' New Year's Eve edition of Texans All Access. I am Dick Clark, a.k.a. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And if you remember who Dick Clark is, then you are an old like me. Maybe a dated reference, as Mark likes to call it. But Happy New Year to everybody. We are that much closer to 2022, starting a new year. It always feels refreshing, revitalizing. And hopefully that will start in Santa Clara on Sunday as the Texans take on the San Francisco 49ers, the 8-7 and seven San Francisco 49ers. 
An eight and seven 49ers team starting potentially a rookie at quarterback. An eight and seven 49ers team looking to knock at the playoff door, and hopefully the Texans can be the playoff grim reaper for the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. There are two guys that are going to play big roles in seeing that happens. So let's do a little Drew's dozen to start with Jacob Martin. Drew, take it away. Happy New Year's, friends, and Happy New Year to you, Jacob Martin. It's great to be with you here on a Drew's Dozen. It's been quite some time since you and I have done one of these, but you're a, a veteran of this. So first things first, since it is 2022 on the way, are you a New Year's resolution guy? And if so, what is your 2022 resolution? You know, I like to think, like, I, obviously I'm a big, I'm big on goals, you know, so I set goals, you know, every year, uh, whether long-term or short-term. But resolution, I don't know if I necessarily like change who I am as a person. You know, I try to stay as organic as possible. I think when you are your one true self, you can get better being honest with yourself. So, you know, just really just be better in all aspects, whether that's football, you know, personal relationships, you know, business relationships, faith, family. You know, I just want to see a, uh, a growth in, in myself and those around me uh, for, for, for 2022. December 11th is your birthday. So belated happy birthday to you. Did thank you also you. know that it's International Mountain Day? I did not know it was International Mountain Day. That's kind of cool, I thought. What's your favorite mountain of all time and why? My favorite mountain of all time. You know, I'm a Colorado guy, so I'm going to say Pikes Peak. There you go. That's a cool one. Yeah. I knew you would be a good guy to ask because A, it's on your birthday, the, the holiday. <laughs> B, you grew up in Colorado. C, you played in Seattle for a little bit, and there's mountains there. So you had, and I know, D, you travel a lot, so I didn't know if you'd seen mountains in the past. So I like that you stuck close to your, your hometown, Pikes Peak. That's a good one. I, I like it. Are you a mountains guy or a beach guy? Most definitely. I've, I've been to more mountains than I've been to beaches, for sure. Is that right? Not to belabor December 11th, but it's also International Tango Day. Do you know how to tango? No, but I will ask Roy Lopez when I get to work tomorrow. <laughs> He's a pretty good dancer, isn't he? Oh, dude. I do skilled. Yeah. Skilled. Does he do yeah. anything else besides the, the salsa dance that he does after the sack? You see that in the locker room? He has a mean gritty. Now, other than that, you know, he's, he's good at dancing at, to house music, tech now. How about you? You don't tango, but are you a good dancer otherwise? I like to think so. I like to think I'm a, a quality dancer. Okay. What type of dancing do you do? I can do it all, man. So I'm not afraid. To, the only thing I don't know how to do is tango. Uh, once I learned that, you know, that I, I'd be pretty, I think I consider myself pretty well-rounded. Yeah, the repertoire will be complete once you add in the tango. It's good to know. One of the things I like, there's many things I like about you, Jacob, but one of the things I like about you is a lot of times on game day, you show up dressed in Western wear and you kind of, you put your own twist on it. You get pretty crazy with it sometimes. So with that in mind, how many cowboy hats do you own? Ooh, I don't know. I've given so many away over, over the past three years in Houston. Really? Um, yeah, I, I got all the linebackers hats last year. I gave a couple away, friends and family. Uh, so currently in my closet right now, I probably maybe have five or seven hats. Wow. Wow, that's really good. It's like you've got felt ones, you've got straw ones, different colors too, don't you? Uh, yeah, felt and straw. You know, you gotta, you got to be right for the season. So, How often do you buy some for yourself? Because you talked about giving some away. But how often do you buy some for yourself? Unless like something, you know, not fixable. Typically, I have the basic colors. You know, I have like the the brown, the dark brown, like chocolate felt, the black felt, the gray felt, the silver belly felt, the tans, and then you then you have your your straws. 
uh, your traditional straw hats. I don't know. I would probably say I buy a hat. You know, I haven't bought one yet this year. Um, I'll probably get one probably in the next few weeks before rodeo comes around. Okay. Did you get a chance to go to the rodeo? Cause you got here in 19 August, September, and there was a little bit of rodeo in 2020 before COVID shut things down. Did you get to go to any, any shows there in early 20? I was actually at the rodeo. I was at the rodeo probably for like three days straight, right at the beginning, uh, right after the cook-off. That makes me happy. Cause I remember you and I were set to walk through the carnival and have fun and do that. I do that every year. And it was the day that the rodeo got shut down. It was. Uh, yes, I do, I do remember that. Yes. Big bummer. Yeah. Any, how many cowboy boots do you own? How many pairs? That's a tough one. I've purchased a few pairs this year. So I'm not sure what that bring my total to. Maybe maybe five or six as well. Man, you got lots of options if you want to go Western. That's good to, good to know. You're in the right town for all that. So favorite country and Western act is? Country Western act. Is yeah. this like, what, is it, what does that entail? Like rodeo, yeah, like, country sinkers, like country you're talking country. rodeo clowns. You know, country uh, music. Yeah. If we're going country music, then I'd probably go Lee Bryce. Okay. Probably my 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 favorite artist. Lee Bryce. Uh, I like Florida Georgia Line, you know, Zach Brown Band, Jason Aldean, all those guys. But Lee Bryce by far is my, my favorite country artist. Okay. First concert you ever went to was what? Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe Schoolboy Q, maybe Wiz Khalifa or something like that back in the day. All right. That's a pretty good one. What's the best concert you've ever seen? Best concert I've ever seen... I would say when Beyonce and Jay-Z came to Seattle. It's a pretty big one. A couple of titans yeah. right there. Okay, we've asked every single one of your teammates this question, so we got to get your thoughts on it. What's your favorite exercise in the weight room and your least favorite exercise in the weight room? Favorite exercise, probably power clean. Least favorite exercise, I don't really know. I don't really hate any exercises, to be honest with you. I kind of kind of head. So maybe conditioning. No one likes to run. So Brandon Cooks just recently, he, he doesn't like pull-ups. We've heard planks from a few of your teammates. And then all the big guys dislike squats and all the skill guys kind of dislike, this is stereotypically, but all the skill guys pretty much dislike the bench. So um, I can see, I can see why big guys, you know, don't like squat, you know, sometimes, you know, I said, if we're in season working out, if it's in season, I'd agree with that. Squatting sucks in season. You know, no one, no one enjoys squatting on Mondays after the game. But pretty much to a man, every quarterback and running back and wide receiver said squats. When Ingram was here, Ingram said it was because they like wearing those short shorts so they can show off the quads. So that's, that's <laughs> and it wouldn't make sense. What's the most overrated food in the world? Overrated food in the world? Stuffing, Thanksgiving stuffing is the most overrated food. And absolute Too mushy? World. There's no need for it. No need for it, okay. Who invented what's, it? What's the most underrated food in the world? Underrated food in the world? Barbecue, man. I'd say barbecue. Barbecue is underappreciated. When you have a quality barbecue, you can eat it all day. So. Oh, yeah. Ribs guy, brisket guy, everything? Brisket and sausage. I'll eat ribs and stuff like that, but, you know, big, big on brisket. It's a good call. You know, I'm going to finish this by making a statement, not giving you a question. I think Italian sausage has been left out, and that should be added to a lot of barbecue joints. As, as a you think so? I think so. Have you ever had Italian, like smoked Italian sausage? Yeah, man. I think it's really good. You know, it's got the fennel seeds, a little bit of spice. You know, like I'm big on Italian sausage. I'm, my favorite food is Italian food. So but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that with, you might as well just like, it's like eating, you know, grilling a bratwurst. If you grill it, if you grill it the right way, though, I. Oh, oh yes, yeah. I promise it's good. Yeah. You you a peppers and onions guy with these Italian sausage? Oh yeah, I, well, I, my wife is Italian, so oh, okay, yeah. okay, I get the good stuff when I awesome. eat the big meals with her families. 
Jacob Martin, it's always fun doing these with you. You're a great sport. You always have a good, thoughtful answer for everything I ask, and I really do appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck this weekend. The best of luck the rest of the season. Hope you have a fun year at the rodeo. And can't wait to talk to you again sometime soon. Sound good? Thanks. Appreciate you, Drew. Man, got the funky music and all what Drew's does in there with Jacob Martin. All right. Each week, I have the opportunity to play a Drew's Dozen. And, of course, we'll hear from Jacob Martin later with our final word. Because Drew's Dozen is not about football. It's about everything that's not football. Kind of gives you a peek behind a curtain, if you will. So Drew always sends me the interview that he does with that particular player. This week's Jacob Martin. And then DP sends me her deep slant interview of the week. And this week, it's with the FedEx Ground Player of the Week. Yeah! Absolutely. Rex Burkhead sat down with DP Sidhu. Had a fun time listening to this interview. Take a listen. Rex Burkhead with DP Sidhu. It's a Deep Slant interview of the week. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest this week, running back Rex Burkhead, year nine. Rex, first off, how are you feeling after Sunday's game? I mean, that was, it was quite a lot that you did out there on the field. So how, how does the body feel this week? Yeah, I actually feel not too bad. I uh, feel pretty good. You know, offense line did a great job keeping some big hits off of me. Um, so, yeah, looking forward uh, to San Francisco this week and getting after it again. Yeah, a career day for you. I mean, you've had two rushing touchdowns in a game before, but you've never had two rushing touchdowns plus 149 yards on the ground. I mean, I have to imagine after the season this team has had, just sort of running the ball, getting the thing, getting things going on the ground, had to feel extra special. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, that was something we took as a challenge kind of, you know, all year really getting a game where we established that run game early on, being physical, not only in the first quarter, but all four quarters. And uh, the offensive line did that. Not only them, uh, the receivers out wide blocking the tight ends, you know, also all game long, uh, doing it from the get go and making, you know, my job easy, uh, reading the holes and finding them. Yeah, just a great collective effort by everyone on offense, really. Uh, after the game, though, Davis Mills, someone someone handed you a ball and said it was from <laughs> Davis. And you were asked about it in your post-game press conference, and you were not quite sure what it was about. I'm wondering if you got any clarification on the ball. Did Davis Mills give you the game ball after the game? He, he, he did, yeah. So I didn't know at the time. You know, someone came up to me and just handed it to me and said, hey, Davis wanted to be sure you got this. And so uh, I ended up talking to him about it. And he's like, yeah, man, you, you played your tail off, just wanted to give you the game ball. So you know, pretty cool, special um, by him, you know, to, and also to have that maturity level at a, you know, as a rookie as well, just to see in the big picture, the bit, you know, the whole game. And, you know, it was just a nice compliment from him. So he, he played a great game, let us down the field multiple times and, you know, made some unbelievable throws. Yeah. You'll forever be linked with Davis now for his first and his second career wins in NFL history. The week before his first career win in Jacksonville, I actually wrote a story about you because you had 41 yards rushing on the ground, which, you know, isn't just such a staggering stat, but the way in which you did it with the rain pounding down and you were injured, I think a lot of us thought you were not going to even play in Jacksonville, but you really pushed through with your toughness and everything. And, and Davis called you a fighter after the game. What was that game like for you mentally, emotionally, and then to go through that and then to come out with the win? I, I'm sure that had to feel really good, but well, what was that week like for you in that game in particular? Yeah, you know, like you said, the, the best thing about it was we won the game. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of guys are dealing with bumps and bruises as, at this time of year. And so, you know, I was just doing my best to, to fight through, um, you know, what I had going on and go out there and put my best foot forward. And, uh, you know, it was one of those, you know, condition games where, you know, the run game needed to be physical and we needed to uh, do a good job in that area. And we did. And uh, fortunately, it came out the win. All right. So in Sunday's game against the Chargers, Traymond Smith got a carry. And apparently he'd been lobbying with Tim Kelly to try to get a carry. What did you think of his first NFL rushing attempt. Yeah, he, he did well. You know, he took it, got got outside as fast as possible. You know, I think after his kick return for a touchdown last week, he, you know, that was kind of his, uh, you know, showcase there that he could possibly do something on offense. And TK had faith in him to go out there and do it. And he, he made a nice game for us. Yeah, he said he's not sure if he wants to do it again, but he did say the <laughs> toughest part about playing running back is pass protection because he had done it a few years ago in the preseason. W- would you agree that that's the toughest part of, playing your position? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think because you throw in the mental aspect of it as well, you know, making sure you're seeing the whole field and, you know, not only being on the right guy, but having the correct technique when you get there. And a lot of times you're blocking guys who are, who are much bigger than you. So yeah, you just got to be, um, you know, willing to do it, able to do it and uh, make sure you're, you're on your P's and Q's when you're doing it. Yeah. That's one of the things about your game Rex, that we hear a lot about is that you bring a lot of versatility to the ground game with, with everything that you're able to do with, even when it comes to rushing or receiving or pass protection. And, and you credited your dad for really teaching you about the position. Now, your dad played fullback, correct? What what did he teach you about playing running back? Yeah, well, he was kind of a running back slash fullback, you know, back okay. in the day. Um, he got a, a lot of carries, was involved in the run game. And so, yeah, he, he always preached versatility to me. He said, the more you can do, the longer you can play. So, you know, whether that was in pass protection or catching the ball out of the backfield, you know, co- coaches love guys who can do multiple things. And so that was something he preached to me at an early age and, uh, you know, something I've taken pride in my whole career. Your dad didn't play a long time in the NFL, but he did get a chance to play with Dan Marino. Do you remember any good Dan Marino stories that he told? Uh, you know, nothing, no crazy stories, but he said, you know, he enjoyed it. You know, he got to play for Don Shula, who's the head coach there at the time as well. And so he, he enjoyed his experience. Um, you know, it wasn't that long, but, uh, definitely a lot of memories he took from it and, uh, you know, playing for, or with Dan Marino, of course, is uh, pretty special in itself. Yeah. And then now he works for the FBI or he did work for the FBI after football. Uh, he, he did. Yeah, he did. Are you allowed uh, to talk he retired about it? from that and now has his own own business. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we've noticed at some of the home games or most of the home games, there's a little cheering section, um, a bunch of people wearing number 28 jerseys. Would those be are those your parents? Is that your family? It, probably so. Yeah. Probably the, the parents, um, you know, my wife and, uh, you know, my oldest son, he came to a game, you know, a few weeks ago as well. So yeah, yeah, we, uh, you know, they're up in Dallas, got a lot of family and friends around, so got a pretty good crowd there. <laughs> yeah. Have they been able to, I mean, now that you're in Houston, it makes sense for them to be able to come down to, to Houston and watch your games, but over the course of your career, were, were your parents, were your family, I mean, your family obviously was living with you, but were your parents able to attend a lot of your games or is this really a first for them? Uh, yeah, they, they've always made a point to try to come, come out to as many as possible. Um, of course, it makes it a lot easier when it's just a short drive from Dallas, um, you know, here now. And so it is nice. It's nice for them. And, you know, also a bunch of, you know, friends I grew up with and then, um, you know, went to school with who were able to come as well now. All right. Well, you didn't grow up in Houston. You grew up in the Plano area, but you're back in Texas now after a really long time. What did you miss most about living here? Oh, man. Uh, 
you know, right now, I mean, 80 degrees, 70 degree <laughs> weather um, during December is, uh, you know, pretty nice, pretty awesome. You know, I'm a warm weather guy for sure. I, I don't mind playing in the, the cold at all, but just the day to day, um, you know, warm weather is it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it makes up for all those crazy days during training camp to get some nice 80 degree pleasant weather in December, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, Rex. Well, looking forward to what you can do here for the last two games of the season. Congrats on the big wins and best of luck. Thank you so much. If you would have told me with the way the season was going, not even last week at this time, and said after week 16, Rex Burkhead is going to win the FedEx Ground Player of the Week, I would have thought you were on crack. I would have said there's no way. The only way, man, the only man, the win out of the award, you got to be what, 130, a couple tutties? Something like that. We haven't stiffed 130 in how long? You know how long? So here's, here's, a, here's a recap. So Rex went for 149, right? The most yards that a Texan has run for in the last seven seasons. No, no, no. Yeah, is that right? Seven seasons? No, no, no. Dating back to, I got to do my math, 2018. On American soil, that is. Because in 2019, when we went to London, Carlos had 160. So if you keep it on American soil, which, you know, you could twist it however you want. The last time that a Texan had anywhere near 149 yards in a game, it was Lamar Miller on Monday night against the Tennessee Titans. And he accounted for 162 yards in that game, 97 of them on one run. So he accounted for well over 50% of his total on one run. Rex did not. His longest run was 36 yards and 149. So if you do the map, da, 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 carry the one, move the two, slide this, drop this down, it's about 25%, r- roughly. So Rex was, Rex was banging away. He had consistent chunk yards. Lamar had a massive long run. But 100-yard rushers, they're so easy. Rex, week 17 this year. Last year, week 16, against the Cincinnati Bengals, David Johnson. And then in 2019, Carlos Hyde did it, I think, three times against Jacksonville, against Kansas City, and then also against Tennessee in the game that we had to have at Nashville to help clinch the AFC South. So 100-yard rushers have not been plentiful the last couple of seasons. And then you go back to 2018. Lamar had a few 100-yard games in that season. He had, I thought he had a decent season in 2018. We lost him in 2019, the preseason. He had Carlos Hyde step up and step in. Been pretty interesting for the running backs. Hopefully, 100-yard games become more the norm than not. But this is going to be a tough nut to crack against the 49ers. But Rex Burkhead, I know if anybody's going to be able to do it, he's a hammerhead. He is going to keep the sticks moving with the way that he charges ahead full force so looking forward to that all right outside of the texans game this weekend there are 15 other nfl games none thursday none saturday all sunday and one monday i will pick them all straight up and against the spread next right here on texans all access 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 Yes, sir. We have reached that time in the show where we get competitive. Yes, so this is my favorite part of the show when I get an opportunity to challenge myself. It's funny. This morning when I was doing Payne Pendergast, this morning with Cecil Shorts, when I brought up this segment, it was so funny because I was like, Cecil, we're going to compete against each other. And he's like, all right, let's go. I'm telling you, man, the, the, when, when dudes that are used to being competitive 
anybody, I'm not, men and women, are used to being competitive and that they don't have that competition in their life like they used to, anything that resembles competition, they dive right in. It was fun. So I did some of these picks earlier in the day, but we didn't get too far through because we were just we get to a game and we start chatting about it. We didn't get much done. So I figured, you know what? Let's do it. I do it for my friends at Caesars Rewards for every way you play. Let's pick them straight up and against the spread. Let's go. Let's start in Buffalo. Oh, wait a second. Did I get my music? Yeah, there it is. I hear it in the background. It's, it's good. It's good. We're all good. The Bills are taking on the Falcons. Now, the Bills are seemingly back on track. There was a lull there about week 11, week 12, when they played the Patriots at home on a Monday night. Couldn't move the ball effectively in the wind. Couldn't stop the Patriots' run game. Yeah, man, are these the real Bills? What's going to happen? Well, they found themselves again. Bills, 14.5-point favorites over a team still in the playoff race. I think Vegas is saying, Falcons, you've overachieved. You've done a great job but you've overachieved. And I think that's probably about right. But when it's that high, I'm going with that home team. I'm going with the Bills. I think the Falcons, a dome Southern team playing outside in Buffalo, that's an issue. I'm going Bills 31-14 here. That'll cover the 14 and a half. The Bills get to win number 10. And with a Patriots loss, no, they can't clinch it, I don't think. I think they got to uh, get to next week too because they split that season series. So Bills get to win. And stay in the driver's seat in the AFC East, at least for the time being. G-Man taking on Chicago Bears. Really? I mean, the Bears will trot out Nick Foles. So, Nick Foles against Mike Glennon. Good Lord. I'll go Foles. Bears are fair by six at home. They'll win. They'll win by 20. This will be 27 to six. That's 21, close enough. So there you go. Chiefs, Bengals, game of the day. The Bengals, 9-6. and six, And, man, they are hot. I mean, I'm talking hot. 525 yards for Joey B last week. They got three receivers that could eventually catch 1,000 yards worth of passes this year. But it's the Chiefs. I think the Bengals land some haymakers early. I think they land haymakers early, but it can't last. And the Chiefs eventually outscore them. This feels 40-28. to 28. Chiefs are favored by four. I think the Chiefs are going to cover that four, give the Chiefs a win in Cincinnati, and at 12-4, and four, stay in the driver's seat for the number one seed in the AFC. In fact, does that clinch the AFC number one seed? I think it's going to. If they haven't already, as I'm trying to look at the records, I think that probably will do it if it hasn't been done already. So Chiefs number one seed, they'll get to win number 12 with a win in the cover over the Bengals. The Titans and the Dolphins are going to play on a mush field. Bowl game in Nashville a couple nights, uh, last night. Well, what's tonight? Tonight's Friday. Last night, Thursday night. The field was a mess. Guys were slipping all over the place in the bowl game. Then they're going to play on it on Sunday. After a bowl game Thursday late evening or, or late afternoon, early evening, this is going to be a mess. That means it's going to go to the mutters. Well, Miami's been running the ball a little bit better with Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay. Heard of them? The Titans can run the football, and I think that's what's going to pull this out. It's going to be close, though. The number's three and a half. That hook changes things. I'm taking the Titans to win, but I think the Dolphins will get inside the three as the Titans win the AFC South. 
Therefore, come to Houston with nothing to gain with a win. So I guess, yeah, the Titans can catch the Chiefs. I don't think it's going to happen, but they could catch the Chiefs. But the Titans are going to get that win, win the AFC South, and they come to Houston with nothing to play for. And at that point, maybe try out the JV team. We'll see. But the Dolphins will keep it close and get inside that three and a half. The Titans will get the W. Speaking of W's needed, the Indianapolis Colts need a W in the worst way. Now, we're all on Carson Wentz watch at this point because he's on the COVID reserve list. So does Wentz start or are the reins handed over to Sam Ellinger? Honestly, I'd like to see what Ellinger does. He's facing a Raiders defense that's decent, not great. Did a good job against the Broncos last week, but it's not a great defense. And Ellinger presents a few more issues. Now, can he make some key throws? I think they'll try and protect him with some of those throws if he does start. I think the Colts will win this game. And even with Ellinger, I think they'll win it by 10. This feels like uh, 30-20, to 20, 27-17, something of that magnitude. Indianapolis will win this thing. They'll get to 10 wins, and they'll solidify that wild card position with the win over the Raiders, who will fall to 8-8. Eight and eight. Speaking of the Patriots, I mentioned them earlier. The Patriots are taking on the Jaguars. Patriots are 16-point favorites at home. It's a pretty tough nut to crack, but... We saw the Texans go to Jacksonville, to, to Jacksonville, win by 14. The Patriots are nine at six. I think the Patriots are going to cover that number. There's a question mark of whether Trevor Lawrence will start. I don't know if that was just a rumor. I don't know if that was just somebody being sarcastic. I don't know. But if Trevor Lawrence doesn't start, I don't think the Jags are going to score. So let's give the, the Patriots the win and a cover of that 16. Because they could easily win this thing 17 to nothing. So I'm going with that. Patriots win and cover against the Jags at home. The Jets get a visit from the Buccaneers. Good God. Tampa Bay is a 13-point favorite on the road, and that's not enough. The Bucs need this one to try and catch the Packers. So the Bucs are going to blow out the Jets. This is going to be big, 34-13. Then they'll cover the 13 and give the Bucs twin number 12. The Eagles take on the Washington football team. We talked about this one this morning. I talked about Jalen Hurts. He's done a really nice job. I think the Eagles are going to win this game with Jalen Hurts. I think they'll cover the four and a half. And the Eagles are going to move to nine and seven. And I know a lot of people said, man, who saw that come from the Eagles? Mike Irvin did. I'm not always the biggest fan of the playmaker on TV. But on a Thursday night game about five or six weeks ago, he pointed out how the Eagles schedule, hey, there's an opportunity here for the Eagles to maybe start making some noise here. That was about three or four weeks ago. And I remember listening to it thinking, man, that's the most reasoned statement I've heard him make. And he's dead on. That's exactly what the Eagles have done. They'll win. They'll cover that four and a half. And the Eagles will get to nine and seven. The Rams and the Ravens. Now, about, I don't know, five, six weeks ago, this looked like, this is going to be a game that gets moved to Sunday night. Nope. Rams taking on the Ravens. Lamar is questionable for the Ravens. Getting him back would help the Ravens. Although Tyler Huntley's done a nice job. The Rams just have too much firepower. The Rams are a five-and-a-half-point favorite in Baltimore. I think I'll lay the points, take the Rams to win and to cover, and the Rams get to 12-4 and four as the Buccaneers get to 12-4, and four, which will force the Packers to have to get to 13-3 and three to maintain the number one seed. We'll get to them in a little bit. But Rams win and cover. We have Matt Stafford throwing three touchdowns, one each to OBJ, Van Jefferson, and Cooper Cup. AFC West battle. The Chargers are coming off that loss to the Texans. They take on the Broncos. 7-8 Broncos. Broncos lost. Only scored 13 points in a loss to the Raiders in Las Vegas. They go back on the road to L.A. 
The Chargers are a 7.5 point favorite. I think it's a little rich considering the Chargers have been banged up, COVID issues, etc. I think the Chargers are just looking to get a win, get back off the schneid. They lost a couple in a row. Chargers will win this, but the Broncos will get inside that 7.5. This will be 27-20. I think it could be on upwards of 7, but it won't go past the 7.5. Chargers win. Broncos get the cover. Then in the afternoon, this game is great. This game is great, 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 as long as the real Cardinals show up. The Arizona Cardinals at 10-5 and five, taking on the Cowboys. Now, I can see the Cowboys skunking them because Kyler Murray, my God, he's just been abysmal. And the, whole, well, the Cardinals have been abysmal. He is beat up. He looks beat up. He looks confused. Cliff Kingsbury has lost his swagger, if you want to call it that. Cowboys are favored by six. I think the Cowboys win this by 10. I think this is 30-20. to 20. I think that Dallas defense does a number on Cliff and the Cardinals. Give the Cowboys win number 12 as well. Panthers taking on the Saints. <laughs> Saints are favored by six and a half. Yeah, why not? They're at home. Saints win and cover the six and a half. Lions, Seahawks, same thing. Two teams just waiting for the end of the season. Seattle's favored by seven and a half. Let's get the Lions a win on the road. How about that? They can get a win on the road, right? Get them to 3-12 and one. Yeah, why not? Upset special Lions over the Seahawks. Sunday night, Vikings taking on the Green Bay Packers. Packers are favored by 13. I think the Vikings are ready to pack it in. I think they've been ready to pack it in. I think Justin Jefferson kind of called them on their nonsense a little bit last week. I think they're ready to pack it in. They'll play hard at Green Bay for a while, but Aaron Rodgers and company will pull away. Packers win by 17, 34 to 17. So they'll get a win and a cover. And on Monday night, Browns, Steelers, ooh, baby. Might be the last game in Heinz Field for Ben Roethlisberger, and for that reason, I'm going Steelers in an upset over the Cleveland Browns. All right, we get back. We got to get Drew Doherty's final word, the final all-access word in the calendar year 2021 with Jacob Martin. That's next on Texans All Access. That's next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access, New Year's Eve evening edition of Texans All Access. A lot of great things have happened on December 31st in the past for me. It was my very first official date with my wife back in 1994, so you can do the math on how long ago that was. Uh, there's probably some other cool things that happened. Oh, yeah, on December 31st, 1987, my, in my, uh, well, the, uh, the finger that you put up to show somebody you don't like them, uh, it's now forever crooked because I got in a car accident. So that happened on December 31st. I was in the hospital. It's been 1987 in a hospital with my hand looking like Jimmy Garoppolo's. So that happened on December 31st. So, yeah, some crazy stuff has happened on December 31st. But hopefully tonight, calm, quiet, get ready to take off for Santa Clara in the morning and play the 49ers on Sunday as we kick off the new year 2022. Now, before we get to Drew Doherty's final word, I don't know if I mentioned the transactions. I, I think I got the injury report in the first segment where I always like to do my news. But I don't know that I got to the transaction list. And one of the pieces of news I, think I, did, I don't think I got to yesterday either, or today even. Transaction-wise, the Texans did activate Malik Collins from the COVID-19 list. Now, Coach Cully talked about whether he could be available and he mentioned wasn't totally sure where his conditioning level would be. And again, COVID hits people in so many different ways. Some guys get hit with it hard, really hard. 
depending on maybe they've got a previous condition or there's uh, their immune immune immunocompromised. Their immunization system is compromised. I'm I'm struggling at the end of the show, man. It's been a long day. But you get my point. So some guys can slide right back in and be ready to go. We'll see if Malik's ready to go, but he has been activated from the reserve COVID-19 list. Two players were subsequently placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Tight end Anthony Arclair and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, those two are put on the reserve COVID-19 list. And the Texans waived Xavier Williams, defensive lineman who played last week, big number 69, and they waived him because they're getting a number of guys back on the defensive line. So that ends up being good news in a sense for the depth of defensive line. Obviously not so great news for Xavier Williams. Hate to see him go. That's a, that's a massive dude. Holy smokes. I was just from afar. I was like, my God, he is massive. Now, one other piece of news that came out yesterday, and I believe it was yesterday. I think it came out early in the morning, but I don't remember mentioning it on the morning show, and I don't remember mentioning it on All Access last night. But I got to hit up my guy, Brandon Cooks. Houston Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks has been named a finalist for the 2021 Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. The award is presented each year to an NFL player who best demonstrates the qualities of on-field sportsmanship, including fair play, respect for the game, and opponents, and integrity in competition. A player is selected from each of the four divisions, AFC, East, Northwest, North, South, East, West, NFC, North, South, East, West. So Brandon Cooks was the representative of the AFC South. That was cool. AFC East was Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. AFC, oh, yeah, AFC East also was Miami Dolphins, Jason McCourty. Uh, New England Patriots, Matthew Slater from the AFC. So I guess four of them came from the AFC. I guess they all don't have to come from the same division, but four from the AFC. Cooks, Josh Allen, Jason McCourty, Matthew Slater. Four came from the NFC, Levante David of the Bucks. Cameron Jordan, the Saints, Kyle Juszczyk, who will play on Sunday for the 49ers, uh, Ivy League grad, and Adam Thielen from the Minnesota Vikings. So Brandon Cooks amongst some pretty heavy company there for the Art Rooney, the 2021 Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. And I could absolutely second that. Love seeing Brandon up for that award. He absolutely deserves it, whether he gets it or not. I mean, look, when it comes to awards... The word deserve really can apply to everybody who's up for the award. So it'll be interesting to see who gets it. But hopefully Brandon Cooks is going to get some serious consideration for that because he is everything you want a professional. He's everything you want a player. And he's definitely a great sportsman, no doubt. Now, another guy who is a tremendous sportsman is Jacob Martin. It's time for Drew Doherty's final word. The final all-access word in 2021 is Drew Doherty and Jacob Martin. Drew, take it away. This pregame interview is powered by Reliant. We've got defensive lineman Jacob Martin with us. Jacob, it's great to be with you, and you guys are getting set for a game against the 49ers. We're going to get into that in just a sec, but let's start things off with this. Three takeaways last Sunday. I know that's the goal each Sunday, but how sweet was that to be a part of that as a defense, and how much sweeter was it to finally see you guys get in the end zone for the first time this year? Oh, man, that is, that is huge. Love is big on takeaways. He's even bigger on uh, defensive scores, you know, and to have TT join me 
as a defensive scorer, you know, I recorded the safety of the season. So that counts as points. Great to see guys step up and fill roles that they weren't typically used to playing. Like I say, every Sunday, you know, any given Sunday, you know, it's the, the best team that shows up. It's awesome to be, to be be there and see those guys ball out and be a part of it. It's awesome. I'm glad you made that distinction because I've actually been good about it. I've said he's the first Texan to score a touchdown on defense this season. You <laughs> did, of course, get that safety earlier in the year. What have you learned about yourself in this defense this year, who you are as a player? You know, I think this year, out of all my years I've been in the league so far, this year really reminded me that, that football is just football. I grew up through high school, through college, playing true defensive end, not being in coverage very often. When I first got to the league, I, I'm very versatile. You know, I, can, I, can, I like to think that I can do a lot and I can do it all and I can adapt whatever the system is or whatever the scheme is. And I, I really think of that, just prove that to myself, you know, that uh, football is football at the end of the day. You always seem to be around the quarterback, around the ball. Let's talk about this offense you're going against. All signs are pointing to Trey Lance being the guy under center. Jimmy Garoppolo did not even practice on Thursday. So tell me a little bit about the quarterback and facing a rookie and facing a guy with his skill set that you guys have seen a little bit of on tape. You know, at the end of the day, whether it's uh, Jimmy G or if it's uh, Trey Lance, you know, I just think of it as an old quarterback to, to get after. But with Trey Lance, you know, the, the kid's special. He has a size. He has the speed, you know, and he has the arm talent. Really, just, I, I'm really just excited to play. You know, I haven't played San Fran in a long time. I've been on the Bay Area in a while. I'm also excited just to see, see uh, Trey Lance play, if he does play, or apparently he's exciting to, to watch in, in, in person. You know, he's, he's awesome to watch on TV. So just a great competitor. Looking forward to, to competing against those guys on Sunday. For old people like me, when you watch the 49ers operate, you can't help but be reminded of that Gary Kubiak offense. You see lots of bootlegs. You see lots of play action. Tell me about the 49ers run game. It's pretty impressive if you look at the stats and look at how they've distributed the ball there. Oh, man. Uh, they just have, they have every run, you know, in, in the book. This is like real football, you know, when you're playing a pro style, you know, I formation, you know, 21 personnel, 12, 12 personnel type team. You know, uh, they love to use their tight end, George Kittle, another amazing player in this league. He's had a lot of success. They got a big O-line, big physical O-line they like to run behind. And, you know, that's how they set up those deep shots down the field is set up off their, their run game. The real test of any defense is your ability to stop the run. And if you can stop the run and make a team one-dimensional, then, uh, you know, the ball is good to have fun. You just brought up Kittle, and we heard your defensive coordinator, Lovey Smith, talking all about him and raving about him earlier this week. Tell me about another guy who's somebody that you can rave about as well in Debo Samuel. He lines up in the backfield and gets six-plus per pop, and then he can get the ball thrown to him as well and do a lot of damage that way. How special a talent is he, and how do you guys have to account for him? Debo's another special guy. He's not built like a, your typical wide receiver. You know, his real big legs, you know, real strong and fast, physical uh, you know, after the catch, they like to use them as, as much as they possibly can. It's another guy I'm excited to compete against. You know, it's a real, it's a real test for our defense. How we are able to uh, stop these guys and getting them to third and long situations. You know, more favorable downs for our defense. You know, by the end of the day, man, football's football, baby. You know, we get paid too; they get paid too. And really, just looking for another opportunity to compete, man. Let's talk about how you're powering game day. What time do you go to bed at night before noon kickoff? Oof. I'm probably in bed probably around 10 o'clock. I'll probably watch my last little bit of film for like 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, and I'm typically asleep by 10.30. And then on game day mornings, I, I don't really – I don't know what it is, but ever since I played high school football, I haven't been able to really sleep in. So I'm typically up sometimes 5.30, sometimes, you know, 6 o'clock. And I'm kind of just like just up, you know, just thinking, preparing mentally, feeling my body and stretching and things like that as I um, get ready uh, for kickoff. 
How much are you able to eat? What do you eat for breakfast? So we do some standard, maybe a couple eggs over easy or over medium, two pieces of French toast, some strawberries, probably about like six ounces of coffee. That's about it. Nice light breakfast, get you set for game day. Okay, final thing, what do you listen to? Is there any certain bit of music or certain songs or playlists that get you going? I'm more of a calm guy. You know, I'm, I try to stay pretty calm before the game because uh, I've been told I'm a psychopath, you know, on the sidelines. So <laughs> try to stay as calm as possible before kickoff. So I could be listening to anything from Kurt Franklin, gospel, Aretha Franklin, smooth jazz, anything really, you know, uh, something that's slow and tempo calming. For sure. All right. Since you brought it up, in what ways are you a psychopath, do you think? I don't really know, man. I'm just excited to play football. I love, love, just love everything about it. You know, I love the camaraderie on the sidelines. I love having fun, making jokes. You know, that's what it's about. I really just enjoy enjoy it out there. I'm not really filtering anything I say. Kind of, kind of just word vomit. Who knows what I'm going to say next. So Hashtag no filter. All right, Jacob Martin, best <laughs> of luck against the 49ers. We hope you guys bring home another win, and we will talk to you again very, very soon. Thank you. Well, there it is. Texans all access for the calendar year 2021 is now in the books. We'll be have a full week next week leading up to the Tennessee Titans finale. But from a candle, calendar year perspective, 2021's in the books. I can't thank you enough because we don't do this without you. Whether you listen because you like it or listen because you want to find follow things that we say, either way you're listening, and we appreciate it. That support. Everybody at Sports Radio 610, they make for great partners. To Mark, to DP, to Drew, uh, our content team, to our digital team, to my really good friend, Amanda Caffey, who I bother each and every night sending files, sending articles. She is an absolute champion. Absolutely love her. Love everybody in our department. Love you guys in Houston. Let's go get a W on Sunday against the 49ers. Shock the world again. I know last week... Everybody was shocked to see the Texans get a win. Let's go do it again in San Francisco. That would be awesome. We'll see you on Sunday. Thank you again. You all have a happy new year, a safe new year. And as always, go Texans. Texans.